Um, and that's not because it, it's not awesome what we're doing, but I, I, I just think that one, I don't wanna want to derail um, you know, where Chris is in that and, and make him have to come back next week and, and uh, clean up all the things that I didn't say right and, and missed. But, but two, I noticed recently um, there's a lot of talk in Romans of the Holy Spirit, both where we've been and, and where we're going. And it's one of those things that in my experience has just been a very underappreciated and under and misunderstood part of our triune God. And so this morning I wanted to take a few moments and to, uh, to talk about the, the helper that Jesus says that he's going to send to us. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go back through and read all of John 16 again. Um, I'll read just a, a brief little bit of it as we get into it. But before we get started, because I know me and I know my limitations and I know um, what I'm able to do in and of myself, um, it's worth taking a moment and asking God the Holy Spirit to come in and to speak through me because I am certainly not capable of, uh, of teaching and preaching his word outside of his power and his presence. So, um, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, bless this time as we approach your word, as we try to study uh, the truths therein. Lord, I just ask that you would, um, you would speak to your people, that you would use me as a conduit, um, but that you would get me out of your way so that you would teach your people what you have for them today, Lord. Uh, we just ask that you would bless this time and, uh, and bless the hearts of all those that are here to listen. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So we just read in John 16, um, in verse 7, where, where Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then he goes on to talk about some of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. Um, and so I think it's interesting. You know, this is on the night that Jesus is, is going to the cross. This is just hours before he is, is headed to die on the cross. And he's telling his apostles, his disciples, that it is better that he would go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. And I mean, I just can't imagine if you could put yourself in, in their shoes and you've walked with Jesus and you've experienced his power, you've seen that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God incarnate here with them, and, and you've, had to, you've had the opportunity to walk side by side with Jesus the Christ. And then he tells you, it's actually better for me Better for you, excuse me, if I leave you. I, I can only imagine that that was a pretty unfathomable statement for, uh, for his apostles to hear. And yet I think that the reason that this statement can be true is because Jesus has a perspective that they don't have. Jesus knows that his role and his purpose is about to be accomplished. Here in just a few hours, he's going to be on the cross and he's going to say, Lord, it is finished. And he also knows that the Holy Spirit has a different role and a different purpose than what God the Son had. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to be confined to bodily form as Jesus was. The Holy Spirit is no less God than Jesus is. And in fact, he is able to enable Jesus' follower to do even greater things than Jesus did, just as Jesus said that his followers would do, because the Holy Spirit 
comes to earth in this omnipresent form where he's able to be in all places with all people at all times without limitation. He is God. He is the power of God. He is the presence of God. And he is the working of God in this present time. Jesus simply couldn't do that in his physical bodily form. And so he says, it is better for me to go so that I might send you a helper. He says, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to send you a helper. And when he gets here, he is going to do some awesome things. Um, like I said earlier, I, I just feel like this is one of those things that we, we just don't understand. Many of us don't understand the Holy Spirit. We, we don't worship him the way that we do, that we should. We don't engage with him the way that we should. We don't... Um, appreciate him the way that we should and so um it's just put on my heart you know many of us this past week we were able to to get together with some family and and we enjoyed thanksgiving we had a meal and you know i was thinking you know a lot of families kind of have that like that weird you know cousin or uncle or brother or whatever that shows up and like nobody like really wants to get too close to him and we just kind of think like man he's just you know like he's kind of the oddball and you guys know who, who that is maybe in your family group or your, your, uh, your family or friends. And, and if you don't know who that person is, the saying is that it's probably you. Um, but what a horrible travesty it is that that's how we look at God the Spirit. We look at him as this like crazy weird uncle that shows up and he prophesies and he speaks in tongues and he just does weird things that we don't truly understand and so we say like you know what like why don't you just like sit at the kids table hang out you're welcome to come but like we're not really going to engage with you um, because we see you as um, you know uh, not to date myself too much but we see you as Uncle Buck or we see you as uh, Cousin Eddie from National Lampoons and and um, that is not the God of the Holy Spirit uh, that the way that we should see him, um, we should see him as God. And that's one of the things that, that was put on my heart to say very clearly to you guys today as I studied for this lesson. Um, I believe that God wanted me to say that the Holy Spirit is God, and so to belittle him and to belittle his role is to belittle God. So, we're just going to try to talk about him a little bit today. We're just going to try to get to know him. We're going to try to get to see who he is and what he does. Um, we're going to see that he's not just the weird guy that shows up and, and makes people wiggle around on the floor and speak in tongues and, and say weird prophecies, but rather he is a person of the Godhead and that he brings with him unbelievable benefits of power for you and I if we will just tap in to that. There's far too much to go into everything um, in one sermon. I'm not even going to try. Uh, in fact, I had a very specific thing that I wanted to talk about today uh, when I started to, to put this lesson together, and I'm not even going to touch it. Like, I, I, I didn't even get there. Um, and again, I just believe that that's, that's him at work, and, uh, and maybe we needed to set this foundation first, and then maybe we can get to there uh, at another time, but... The truth is, there, when we talk about spiritual things, everything can be tied back to the Holy Spirit. Whether you're looking at or talking about things that you've found victory in, things that you've overcome in your life, the very faith that you're saved by, or on the, so the other side of that, if you're talking about your struggles, the snares, the failures, 
uh, in your life, the things that you have not overcome, it can all be tied back to the Holy Spirit and how much we're using the power that he has freely given, that God has freely given to us through him. So if you have salvation, your faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit. If you have overcome sin in your life, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you have gained spiritual maturity, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you have been used by God for his purposes and his kingdom work during your life, that is a gift and a work of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, if you are struggling with sin that you can't overcome, or even worse, you've come to a place of complacency in your life, if you have believed the lie of the devil that you're weak and you're powerless to overcome the sin in your life, if you have believed that you don't belong and that you're not good enough and that, that God is angry with you or that you don't have a place in his kingdom, it's probably because you have not understood nor tapped into the power that has been freely given to you through the Holy Spirit. Um, so I, I believe that the Bible is clear that the key to a successful life is, is living a life um, that bears much fruit, a, a Christian life bears much fruit, and the key to doing that is, is living a life that walks with the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, and is full of the Spirit, and then that allows us to uh, to bear fruit, to bear his fruit. And, th and that's actually what I originally was going to talk about this morning, but um, that'll have to be next time. So let's get back to our, our scripture for the day. We were in John 16, we started in verse 7, and, and we're told that Jesus is our helper. So I just want to point out some of the things that he is and some of the things that he does in what we just read um, moments ago. It says that he is our helper. We're told that he will will come to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is the spirit of truth. He glorifies Jesus. He takes what the Father has given Jesus and declares it to us. Uh, he says that he will guide us into all truth. One chapter earlier in John 15, it tells us that he will bear witness about Jesus. And there is an entire sermon just right there in, in that, um, but we're, not, we're gonna try not to get lost in the weeds um, on that. Um, he does all of the things that we just talked about. And then I want to address one other thing out of, um, out of John 16, where he, he's referred to as our helper. And I don't know about you, but like when I hear like, oh, he's your helper. I, I think back to like my childhood when I would show up with my dad, um, to, to do some job. He was a, an appliance repairman for a while and like you'd show up with with dad and, and some guy would would walk out and be like oh I see you got your helper with you today and it was very much this connotation and this understanding like your helper's not doing anything like best case scenario he's gonna like maybe figure out what the crescent wrench is today or maybe he'll get the you know the right screwdriver when you ask him um, and, and that's just not what we're talking about here today I, I remember um, being quote-unquote hired by my grandparents when I was eight years old. Um, they did a, a huge remodel um, of their house, and, and they hired me, and I, and I was the helper. I was the youngest. They hired all their grandkids. Um, I think that's who they could afford to, <laughs> to do the work was their grandkids. But I, I was the youngest one there, and, and I spent an entire summer on a stack of, of scrap wood with a hammer and a crowbar pulling nails because I was the helper, and that was literally the only thing I could do. Um, and Austin's here, so I might as well be honest. I, like, if, I, if I'm honest, the, the, I spent an equal amount of time 
in their kitchen with my feet soaking in Epsom salt because I had stepped on a nail and it went through my shoe and, and stabbed into my foot. And, um, and my grandma had two great, uh, great cures up her sleeve and one of them was an enema and one of them was an Epsom salt soap. <laughs> and so uh, when grandma was coming to fix you, you either went for the Epsom salt or you called for your parents to come get you. <laughs> this is not the type of helper that we're talking about today at all. Um, you know, I was trying to think, and, and there's just no, like, analogy. There's nothing I can come up with to tell you, like, exactly the way that this is. But, um, but I, I was thinking about just in my life right now. You know, I started a, a new job just a couple of months ago, and, and I showed up to work with no knowledge of that job. I, I showed up with no ability to do it. I showed up with really not even an understanding of what it was all about and all the processes that were there um, and yet I was assigned a helper, a trainer, someone that has come alongside me and helped me to understand the job at hand. They've helped me to see how to fulfill the job and helped me step by step and side by side to do the things that I am supposed to do. Um, and in, to be honest, again, in, in any vital moments of work that have needed to be done, it's been me that has taken the back seat and allowed my helper to actually do the hard work and to do the vital things that need to be done. Um, and so I think this is a more accurate idea of, of this term helper that we, that we just read. It's someone that empowers and equips and enables us to understand and to do the things that we are to do in our Christian walk. And it's oftentimes him who does the real work because you and I are not able. Uh, John 14, 16 through 20, again, talks about uh, this idea of a helper. Uh, we'll read that quickly, uh, starting in verse 16 of John 14, says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And there's so much beautiful imagery there, and, and Trinitarian truths, and, and just so much um, great stuff there. But again, for the sake of time, we're not going to, to delve into to all of it. Um, Let's see, I do want to, uh, how far did I go in that slide? Anyways, so um, let me continue on, actually. I think I, no, no, that's right, sorry. Um, so God is, has revealed um, so much to us, and, and it says here that he will not leave us as orphans. It says that he is with us forever, that he is the spirit of truth. Um, it says that he dwells with us and in us, and, and that we have the spirit of adoption. You know, and this is that spirit that allows us to 
fight back when the devil tries to lie to us, when he tries to condemn us and shame us. This is the spirit of adoption that allows us to say, get behind me, Satan. I am a son or daughter of the living God. It is where I find my identity. You know, most of us can't imagine what it would be like to have been orphaned as a small child and, and not have the guidance or the teaching or the love and wisdom imparted to us by our parents. And, and this is the imagery, I believe, that Jesus is getting at here where he says, I won't leave you as orphans. Um, yeah, we have this adoption and this Holy Spirit and this identity, but he also is imparting the idea that we have thing, all the things that I just mentioned, the guidance, the teaching, the love, the wisdom, uh, that the Holy Spirit gives us. In other words, he gives us this luxury to tap into him and, and not have to figure this all out for ourselves. We were recently in Romans 8, um, 14 and 16, told us that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, that we have received the spirit of adoption, and that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and that he is our assurance. He bears witness with us uh, we belong to him and that we should identify as his children. So real quick, a couple of things that we've already hit on. He is with us forever. He is the spirit of truth that he dwells with us and in us. He gives us the spirit of adoption and that he is our assurance. He does a lot and uh, we're going to be all over the place today. Uh, I've tried to keep it as concise as I can, but man, he is throughout all of scripture as I started to, uh, to look into this, I was trying to figure out where is the, the idea of, of the Holy Spirit first introduced. And I was actually surprised that, that I had forgotten, but I, I realized that he is introduced to us in Genesis 1, verse 2, where it talks about how the Spirit of God is hovered over the face of the deep. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, but the spirit hovered over the waters. And in, in, that era, in that space, there was dark, lifeness void. And it was the spirit of God that began to move as God the Father spoke to create life and beauty. And this is not accidental. Uh, this will be you know, our next point, but this is the exact same imagery as what the Holy Spirit did in your life and in mine. See, before we had our faith, he hovered over us. Before we had our, the gift of faith, we were void and dark and without life. And it is his spirit that moved in that place to create life and to create beauty. To give us the faith and understanding, it is the spirit that interceded through the word of God the Father. The next thing, uh, things that we'll see that, that he does is that he grants us understanding, um, gives us a new heart and, and faith by which we are saved. Uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9 through 14 uh, to see that it is truly him who gives us our understanding and allows us to, to see uh, what is what is true in the word of God. Verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. 
Those things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we might... And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Uh, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. This passage tells us that God has revealed his truth through the Spirit, that we are taught through the Spirit, um, that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The spirit inter- uh, interprets spiritual truth on our behalf. Um, it goes on to say that the natural person does not accept these things of the spirit of God, and in fact they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand because those people are not spiritually discerned. Um, as I looked at this, the, the root word for this natural man is used one other time in the New Testament, and it's in Jude verse 19, and there it's translated as worldly people. It's the same root word um, as we just read here as natural people, and it's defined there in Jude uh, verse 19 as, as people who do not have God's spirit. They are ordinary people whose hearts and mind have not been touched with the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the opposite of the natural man is a spiritual man, a, person's, uh, a person whose mind and heart are renewed by the Spirit. Um, and then we see that, that same, uh, same idea earlier, uh, one chapter earlier in 1 Corinthians 1, but uh, I'm not going to turn there today. Um, but I, I will say just at the end of, of that, chapter in verse 31 there it, it, it's talking about you know all of these same truths about how um, the spirit of God illuminates our, our lives and allows us to see and understand the word of, of God and that Jesus is our savior and it ends in verse 31 saying so that it is written let no one who boasts let excuse me let the one who boasts boast in the Lord we have nothing to boast about or to be proud of except for our Lord and I think we've all seen this as we, um, you know, watch some some show where where there's some guy like way smarter than us, some you know three times over PhD guy that's on the Discovery Channel, and he's a biblical scholar and he's talking about what the Bible says, and yet he just comes to these like crazy conclusions that have absolutely nothing to do with the truths that are revealed to us in the Word of God, and and I believe that it's because they are the natural person or the worldly person that we just talked about and the Holy Spirit has not touched their heart and illuminated the word for them. Um, and because of that, these truths are folly and their ridiculousness to them. And, and so they find other interpretations of the word um, because the Holy Spirit has not revealed the truth to them. Um, I recently heard a guy that, that claimed to be a preacher of the Bible that was talking about the story of Lazarus. And he was talking about how 
the true meaning of this story of Lazarus, of how Jesus calls him to come out of the tomb. And he said, see, this is Jesus talking to the, the LTBQ whatever community that we should come out and that, and that we should just be who we are and who we were made to be. And that's the point that, that the Bible is trying to make in, in this is that, that we need to let the, the, the homosexual world to, to shed their death garments of oppression that have been put on them. So this is, this is the same story of, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead he reads the same story that you and I read, and yet he comes to that conclusion. Rather than seeing the gospel image in that story of a dead person being made alive through the words of Jesus saying, come out, being made alive just as you and I have been made alive when we put our faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit revealed God to us. See, when, you're, when you are a physical person, when you don't have the Spirit of God, you can read the same story in the same Bible, but you don't actually read the same story in the same Bible because some of us are spiritual and some of us are not. And so the takeaway there is if God has illuminated the word for you to be able to believe it, to be able to understand it, and to be able to be saved by it, then praise his name. He's been... He has given you the gift of his word. Uh, next, I want to see that the Holy Spirit has power and that he brings us hope. Um, Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Acts 1.18 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These verses talk about the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. The second one, I believe, talks about that power being what allows us to uh, be effective witnesses for Jesus. Most of us, when we haven't experienced that, we were very worried and, and very uh, timid to to try to evangelize and to try to speak to other people, especially those that we know are not believers uh, about the gospel because we feel all of this pressure that we're the ones that have to convince and we're the ones that have to know all the right answers and have the right things to say. Um, and yet I believe very much that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that would work through us when we step out in faith and he's the one that convinces and he's the one that says all the right things and he's the one that has all the right answers. The next thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he helps us in our prayers. Romans 8.26 tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray or how to pray. That is the Spirit that is the one that intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and that his intercessions are according to the will of God. Um, we've all been in that moment where we don't even know what to ask for. We don't even know what to say to God and yet we have this powerful spirit of God who intercedes with us and, and for us uh, according to the will of God. The next thing um, that I want us to see is that he seals our salvation and is the guarantee of our inheritance. Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14 say, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The author continues on through uh, in verse uh, 15 and, and continues on talking about the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge. He's a spirit of enlightenment. Um, through him, we learn about our hope, our inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power and the working of his great might. Again, just way too much. I just want to just scratch the, the tip of the iceberg this morning and, and hopefully perk up your, your, uh, your interest and maybe it'll inspire you to, to dig deeper into this as we just don't have time to, to go to those depths tonight or this morning. Um, the last thing that, he, uh, that we'll talk about this morning, though, is that he gives us freedom and that he sanctifies us. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18 um, is going to tell us that he brings freedom and that he transforms us into the image of God from one degree of glory to another. Starting in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know, I mean, that is what we as Christians, as we try to mature, are we not all trying to grow in our sanctification, trying to better come to know, love, appreciate, worship our God, and better be able to reflect his nature, his character, and his attributes to all those that he would put in our, in our lives. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. It's his transforming work that leads to our sanctification. So we've, I didn't count them all up. I, I've hit like 30 different things that the Holy Spirit is and that he does. And we haven't even touched on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We haven't even touched on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We haven't talked about what it means to walk in the Spirit or be filled by the Spirit or be led by the Spirit. Um, so you know what I'll be preaching about the next time I'm up here. But um, I want to leave you with this because for some of us this is great reassurance and this is a great reminder and this is maybe even a great revelation that, that he is in us and that he is with us and he is for us and he is the power that we don't have and that he uh, is going to partner with you to, to sanctify you, to save you, to allow you the wisdom, the knowledge, um, all of the, the greatness and power of working of our Savior, and for some of us, this is like, holy moly! I, I I don't know this God. I don't I don't know this Spirit, and that can be very disheartening. And so, I don't want to leave you um, in that place because that's not where the Bible leaves us. Um, so, our last reading will be in Luke eleven, uh, starting in verse nine. And it says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, re who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead, instead of a fish, give him a servant? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is an awesome truth and promise that we have 
uh, in God, whether you are already experiencing this power and you realize that you need more of it, or if you haven't experienced this, but you realize today that you, that you want to experience him in a whole new way, um, you have the, the promise of scripture that says, ask and, and I'll give it to you. He wants to, to pour out his spirit on his people. So no matter which of these groups you find yourself in, you are in need of more of his spirit and he is faithful to give it to you. Um, I recently heard a quote um, that I just thought was so fitting and, and just, it's very simple and very short and yet very profound and it is, you can't do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. And engaging with the Holy Spirit is how we do life with Jesus. The Holy Spirit invites us into a relationship with Jesus that's not us seeing him from the outside, looking in, but rather coming into intimate relationship with him and doing life with him and accomplishing his goals in your life and in your will, to accomplish his will. So um, that's where I'll end for today. Um, apologize for uh, the fact that it was long and, and kind of all over the place because there's just so much here and, uh, and I had to kind of try to just condense it the best I could. But I trust that, um, that the Holy Spirit was able to speak to you in one way or another in spite of my weaknesses and in spite of um, my ability as a preacher. And like I said, rest assured that Chris will be back up here next week and uh, it'll be even better. So um, let's pray, and then uh, we will uh, we'll take communion together. God, we just are so grateful for um, the truths in your word. Uh, we're grateful for your spirit that reveals those truths to us. Um, God, I just ask that you would uh, that you would pour your spirit out on this church, that we would be a body of believers that seek your spirit, that are led and filled by your spirit, um, that we would seek your will in all things, and that we would tap into the immeasurable power that you give us to be transformed into your image from one degree of glory to the next as we seek you, as we serve you, and as we feed the spirit of God that you have put in us. Um, God, we just, we praise you, we love you, and uh, we just ask that you would bless, uh, bless this place, bless these people as we uh, strive to be a light in the darkness. It's in your holy name I pray, amen.